One of the phrases you'll hear a lot, actually, is, we discovered. And it's a really lovely thing that happens in the KE fellowships, is that you go out there to work with a partner, and then you both make discoveries that you hadn't anticipated and weren't necessarily even written into your application. Um, I'm going to introduce next, uh, with great delight, my colleague Kate McLaughlin, who is a professor of English literature and Robert Wills Fellow and Tutor in English at Harris Manchester College. Her publications include Authoring War, The Literary Representation of War from the Iliad to Iraq, and as editor, The Cambridge Companion to War Writing. Kate's collaborating partner organization is the Oxford Quakers, located at St. Giles. Kate. Hello, um, I'm Kate McLaughlin, uh, and as um, Kirsten's just said, my Knowledge Exchange Fellowship on Literature and Silence um, was held at the Oxford Quaker Meeting at 43 St Giles, a door that you've probably passed um, many times. Um, apologies also from my key liaison person at the Quaker Meeting, um, Chris White, who's not singing at, Royal, at the Royal Opera House, he's um, lecturing in Crete, uh, which is almost as good. Um, so I'm at the very early stages of what I hope will um, eventually be large-scale research into literature and silence, such early stages, in fact, that I haven't actually finished the thing that I'm working on at the moment. Um, so I'm very much um, in the mode of casting my net as widely as I can. Um, I don't yet know what form I, of output my ultimate research um, will take. I don't even know what literary periods I'm going to be concentrating on, what literary genres, even what nationalities um, of literature. So I'm, I'm at the moment very much open to everything. So being in that mode um, meant that I wanted to proceed um, with some caution. I wanted um, the fellowship to be small scale and low key. Um, and the brilliant thing is that that was eminently possible. Um, so all I applied for was an eight-hour um, teaching buyout, which released me from teaching half a paper to my Harris Manchester undergraduates, and that made um, all the difference. Um, so my fellowship with the Oxford Quakers, it's over now. It lasted eight weeks from January to March um, this year. Um, I attended eight Quaker meetings, which are held in silence, um, unless someone is moved to speak. And if somebody speaks, that's called ministry. Um, so I went to meetings at all the different times. They have them um, Sunday mornings early on um, Tuesdays and Thursdays, middle of the day on Wednesdays. So I could meet as many different congregations as possible. Um, and in return, in exchange, I put on four workshops exploring poetry about silence um, from the 17th century to the present. I say about silence because sometimes the poetry actually evokes or creates the silence rather than strictly being about it. So, for example, um, we looked at poems by William Shakespeare, Thomas Traherne, Alexander Pope, Christopher Smart, Mary Molyneux, who's a very interesting early Quaker woman poet, um, Alfred Lord Tennyson, Dante Gabriel Rossetti, Emily Bronte, Langston Hughes, T.S. Eliot, and E.E. E. Cummings, um, amongst many more not so well known. And we explored a wide range of feelings, from um, that feeling of being struck dumb with love, so in love that you can't get the words out, um, to being speechless with awe um, in a religious context, um, to, be, to being beyond words in religious ecstasy, um, to being speechless with grief. 
we talked about the difference between wise reticence and foolish cant and chatter, um, and those awkward moments when somebody ought to say something, but nobody does. And we thought about silence in sacred spaces and the silence of nature, um, and my favourite poem um, turned out to be a 19th century poem, which I didn't know before, about the special silence of the Australian forest. Only it turned out, apparently, that for people who've been there, I haven't been there, that the Australian forest isn't very silent at all. <laughs> but it can seem silent, which is itself interesting. And I also went to the breakfasts and the coffees and the lunches after the meetings, which depend on what time they're held, and chatted um, informally with people about their spiritual practice and what they think happens um, during the Quaker meetings of silence. Um, and I'd say to anyone, I'm not sure this kind of constituency is here, but people considering a knowledge exchange fellowship with a religious group, rather than actually asking people about their spiritual practice, I think it is easier if you do, if you do the washing up with them, because they're much more forthcoming, I think, in those circumstances. Um, so what I hoped to gain, really, was just quite modest, the beginnings of an understanding um, of what silence means to people for whom it's a very large part of their spiritual lives. Um, and in return, um, I hope to give them an opportunity um, to reflect on their spiritual practice through a different medium, that is, literature. Um, and this is what happened, um, pretty much. Um, so for me, putting on the workshops, having to find the poems that we were going to talk about each week, opened up an incredibly rich theme um, of poetry about silence and evoking silence that I hadn't even begun to imagine existed. Um, so I've now submitted um, a proposal for an anthology of silence to Yale University Press. Um, an editor there is interested and is taking it to her editorial board and it's going to go to readers. So if that happens, that would be incredibly exciting because I could then build directly on the poems we looked at um, in the KE Fellowship. Um, and for the participants in the workshop, um, it seems to have been an enjoyable experience, an interesting experience, um, and an opportunity to look at their spiritual practice um, from a different angle. And the last two points on the slider, some nice things they said to me in the feedback. Thank you very much. <laughs>